0: Merriam-Webster's word of the year is gaslighting.
1: Psychological manipulation of a person usually over an extended period of time that causes the victim to question the validity of their own thoughts.
0: It's a bit of an odd choice because it feels like gaslighting might have been a better word of the year in like 2016, 2017. One thing I can promise you this. I will always tell you the truth. We called up Merriam-Webster to ask if they're gaslighting
1: us. I used to write a monthly report back around 2002, 2003, about which words were looked up the most every month in our online dictionary. So I've been aware of our data, if you will, kind of been working closely with
0: it for more than 20 years. A conversation with the dictionary, ahead on Today Explained.
3: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
2: Yo, it's Malachi Lee. I play 11 instruments,
0: and you're listening to Today Explained. Another day, another Today Explained, but this episode's different because today we're talking to Merriam Webster, or at least Merriam Webster's editor at large, Peter Sokolowski, we called him to ask why his dictionary ended up choosing gaslighting as its word
1: of the year. It's a statistical measure of what sent people to the dictionary in the past 12 months because the dictionary does reveal a huge amount about the culture by the sort of spikes that happen on any given day that a certain word in the news or maybe in entertainment, the title of a movie, or the utterance of a newsmaker, or something like the death of Queen Elizabeth, for example, Um, will send people to the dictionary to check words, to check definitions, maybe to check spellings. Um, And so we can measure that and then compare the current year with the past years. And doing that, we find which word was looked up this current year that was not looked up in the past, and that gives us a a good measure of what sent people to the dictionary, and that's our word of the year. And is, is that how you
0: landed on gaslighting this year?
1: Absolutely, yes, indeed. I mean, to be honest, it surprised me as much as anyone, because I do look at this data on a daily basis, and we do see the big spikes. For example, the term queen consort was a big spike when Queen Elizabeth II died.
0: Once known as the other woman, Camilla is now the queen, kind of. The new king's darling wife has become the queen consort.
1: That term, that official term, queen consort, was suddenly really specific and newsy, and so people looked it up.
0: A consort supports his or her spouse, the monarch. That normally means going on official trips, appearing in public on behalf of the royal family, And supporting charities.
1: In other words, that was a a spike in our lookups that we could attach to a very specific story and a date in the news. However, with gaslighting, it was a little different. It was a word that kind of rose with the tide and stayed very high. It was in our top 20 to 50 lookups on a daily basis. And the raw tonnage of those numbers resulted in its clear victory as word of the year this year. In other words, it wasn't attached to any single story. It was the single word that many people looked up.
0: Tell us what those people found when they looked up the definition
1: of gaslighting. What is it? We have two definitions for gaslighting. I will begin with the older one because it reflects the origin of the term directly. Gaslighting, the psychological manipulation of a person, usually over an extended period of time, that causes the victim to question the validity of their own thoughts or perception of reality. And that has to do with the characters in the film and the play that preceded it called Gaslight in which, you know, one of the principal characters, the the sort of evil husband, attempts to make his wife believe that she's going insane.
2: Gregory, are you trying to tell me I'm insane? It's what I'm trying not to tell myself. But that's what you think, isn't it?
1: And his mysterious activities in the attic of their home sometimes cause the gas lights of the house to dim, and then he insists... To her that the lights are not dimming and that she can't believe what she sees with her own eyes.
2: You're
1: not going out of your mind. You're slowly and systematically being driven out of your mind. But why? Why? Perhaps because you found this letter no too much. Or because then he would have control of your property, of this house. And so that resulted in what psychologists call gaslighting. Often that's an interpersonal kind of gaslighting, when you're being sort of tricked by a partner or a family member or a colleague or a boss. But that sense has broadened into, I think, the sense that we encounter more frequently or even most frequently today, which is simply the act or practice of grossly misleading someone, especially for one's own advantage. And that kind of just means strategic lying, right? And that's the sense that we see in headlines, often in political contexts.
2: He continues to gaslight the American people by acting like this pandemic is not a real threat.
1: This is one of those words that started with a kind of narrow, specific definition and has broadened to a more general definition that's being adapted and adopted by many people and many journalists. This is a, a favorite word for headlines.
0: To what can we attribute the resurgence of this word that comes from a movie that no one's seen? (laughs)
1: <laughs> That's right. You know, I don't know if it was a big hit, but it's a famous movie. It's a. It starred, among other other people, Angela Lansbury.
3: My name's Nancy. Sir. Uh,
1: who just died this year, and we did actually see a little bump in lookups for gaslighting uh, after her death because the movie was mentioned in all of the obituaries, and that sort of connects us to our own time in a certain kind of way. In its narrow psychological sense, this term has been around since mid-century, since the fifties and sixties. But we see a big jump in 2017, and then another jump every single year since. This is a word Uh that has really, yeah, this is a word that has really jumped into the public domain. If we can trace it to any single thing, we can trace it to the Teen Vogue article from December 2016. And the headline of that article is, Donald Trump is Gaslighting America.
2: Of course, this isn't the biggest electoral college victory in history. It takes a simple Google search to figure that out. But it's almost like these sort of distractions to divert our attention. From this the fact-
1: was a truly political use, obviously, of this term, uh, but it also sent many people to the dictionary. I think it was probably the first time many people encountered this term using this psychological terminology on a kind of macro scale. And of course, this is before Donald Trump took office. This is after the election, but before the inauguration. And as you might know, that article went viral and it began this sort of pattern of journalists' use of this term. The president of the United States is gaslighting you, and you deserve to know. If you look up uh, this word in kind of news outlets, you see that this word is used increasingly in places like the New York Times and news websites.
0: And I think a lot of people who who read Teen Vogue or spend a lot of time online might have thought, you know, gaslighting would have been a better word of the year in in 2017. How did it become your word of the year five years later? First of all, the dictionary acts as a kind of
1: lag indicator of the culture, you know, to use economic terms. We don't recommend words. We don't propose words. We don't coin words. We report on the words that are being used by many uh, writers and journalists uh, in many publications. And in this case, this is a word that has had this momentum in the past few years. And also, in the past few years, I think this is a reflection of a broader cultural fact and that is simply that the technology that informs us also deceives us we live in an age of doubt the whole notion of what people call the big lie that we can't trust our elections and a broader cultural conversation about the validity of elections and so the culture has absorbed this doubt that the, that, that we all have to sort of view with skepticism whether it's for example a hacking problem of your own bank account or email or trolling online. In other words, we have become accustomed to the uh, real threats to our identities and to our information. And a lot of that has to do with disinformation or misinformation or deceitfulness. We have lots of synonyms in English for for lying, don't we? Um, and uh, this is a new synonym that brings a new idea which is that strategy you know that gaslighting is very deliberate that ha- it has a very specific goal and uh, i think that goal is almost always understood to be a nefarious goal you know that that really brings advantage to the teller of the lie these things have to do with whether or not we trust our information and gaslighting has everything to do with trust
0: do you feel like when you made gaslighting the word of the year that you were going to maybe Divide some people or lose some people who look at Merriam-Webster as a neutral player in our wars, <laughs> in our in our various divisions.
1: Well, you bring up an important point, uh, which is that the dictionary should serve as a neutral and objective arbiter of facts about language. And that is our mission. That is our goal. I think the dictionary has always represented that, but never more than in an age of information. But here's the thing. It's also this word originated in interpersonal communication. And this is a word that is used every bit as much on the right as it is on the left.
0: The Biden administration is gaslighting America, not only with their ill-conceived agenda, but they are trying to make us believe that what we actually see and are experiencing is not happening at all. Take, for example, the border.
1: So in many ways, this is a term that is very broad in its application. It's kind of universal in its appeal. It seems like everybody's got a story about this kind of deception. But the fact is, the dictionary can't be afraid of reporting the truth about language. And if that truth uh, reveals something about our culture and our politics, which it often does, um, then I think it's up to all of us to interpret that in our own way. I mean, the dictionary is in some ways static, and the dynamic part is our interpretation of these facts.
0: Quick break, and then we'll find out how we were gaslit in 2022, and how social media platforms fared in the fight against disinformation. It's Today Explained. Support for the show today comes from Quince. It's a time of year where the weather is changing. Maybe your wardrobe is too. It's time to put away the winter clothes and pull out the summer clothes. But maybe you pull out your summer clothes and you're like, wait, I hate all these clothes. Well, Quince wants to offer you a chance to hit F5, you know what I'm saying? A little refresh. Is that still what F5 does? Back in my day, that's what F5 does. Claire White, my colleague here at Vox, has tried Quince. I would say the clothes feel super timeless. A lot of their silhouettes are classic and stay in style for a really long time. I would categorize Quince as a very timeless, approachable brand. You can hit F5 and upgrade your wardrobe this spring by going to quince.com slash explained for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e.com slash explained to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash explained.
2: Support for Today Explained comes from Ramp. Every employee with limits and restrictions, automate expense reporting so you don't waste time. Ramp says its accounting software automatically collects receipts and categorizes your expenses in real time so that you don't have to. That could put an end to chasing down receipts and to your employees spending hours submitting expense reports. And now, you can get $250 when you join Ramp. Just go to ramp.com slash explained, ramp.com slash explained, ramp.com slash explained. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank. Members FDIC. Terms and conditions do apply.
3: My name's Nancy, sir.
0: Today Explained is back. You've heard how gaslighting was chosen as word of the year, but now you're going to hear how we were gaslit in 2022. Samantha Bradshaw teaches about new technology and security at American University, and she says when she saw Merriam-Webster's choice, she somehow did not think of the 1944 film Gaslight starring Angela Lansbury. Instead, the choice evoked all the horrors
3: of social media. Over the past year, in 2022, we've seen a series of high-profile events that have attracted disinformation campaigns alongside them. So Russia's ground invasion of Ukraine in February 2022 was accompanied by large volumes of disinformation on social media. And also during the U.S. 2022 midterms, we saw disinformation being spread to undermine trust in the elections process and to polarize American citizens.
0: And I think, I guess, we we expect... Disinformation in a war with Russia, but but tell people what happened during the twenty twenty two midterms because a lot of people might have had a pretty unremarkable experience.
3: Midterm elections aren't as high profile as you know general elections happen every four years, but they're still really important. And this is where we start to see um, some disinformation narratives, you know, that either kind of continue on um, larger discussions that have been happening around. The general elections or where we start to see actors test um, and experiment with new narratives. One interesting thing that happened during the 2022 midterms was the way that claims around ballot harvesting, or this idea that ballot boxes are being filled with large numbers of illegally gained ballots, motivated these watch parties. A small group of people is gathering, watching and recording as voters return early ballots at this drop box and election workers enter and exit. These watch parties were essentially groups of people who would go out and monitor ballot drop boxes around the country for this illegal activity. And I think what was really interesting about these narratives was not only how the false and unsubstantiated claims around ballot harvesting fueled this real world action, but also how a small number of really influential accounts on social media participated in this very participatory process with their audiences, where an influencer would share a message or a story, and the audience would pick that up, share it, retweet it, and organize various kind of support groups on the ground. Money is everything. Money is the key in this world. This undercover video purports to show a man engaging in the illegal practice of ballot harvesting, paying voters for blank mail-in ballots, filling them out, and mailing them en masse. The numbers don't lie.
0: Numbers don't
3: lie. There were concerns that um, having groups of people monitor ballot boxes would lead to voter intimidation and that people wouldn't actually want to go up and drop off their ballots because there was a large group of people um, who were gathering around them to make sure that people weren't filling them with illegal ballots. But we didn't see any actual harm caused by this, nor were any cases of ballot harvesting actually identified by these groups sad for them (laughs) in these cases of, of the
0: russia ukraine war or even the 2022 u.s midterms who are the chief propagators of disinformation is it regular people is it state actors do we even know in the case of russia
3: Different actors have different motivations for spreading disinformation online. Um, When it comes to the war in Ukraine, we see state actors investing significantly in different kinds of tools to influence audiences for their um, own geopolitical ends. Um, And we often, I think it's really important here to also make a distinction between overt and covert influence operations. Because here we can think about the way that state actors use the entire media ecosystem when they're pursuing foreign influence operations. So, you know, state-backed media um, through broadcasters, um, in the case of Russia, RT, they can have significant reach not only through television and broadcast, but also on social media, where they tend to generate large audiences. And this is even despite the fact that there have been several sanctions placed on RT as a broadcaster. We look at its reach around the world. It operates in multiple languages and platform companies haven't been as successful at demoting um, or reducing the spread of non-English state-backed media coverage about the war in other kinds of countries. And this is really interesting, too, because if you look at the covert operations of Russia um, and the way that they create fake accounts and bots to automate the spread of mis- and disinformation to uh, amplify these narratives, they don't often generate as much engagement as they used to. We haven't really seen um, recent disinformation campaigns that are using these kind of covert strategies of creating fake accounts generate the same kind of reach. And is that because
0: social media companies are
3: getting better at dealing with this
0: after, let's say... The 2016 election, and the 2020 election, and the January 6th uprising.
3: Yeah, I think social media companies have really stepped up their game when it comes to identifying what they call coordinated inauthentic behavior, the fake accounts and the bots and the foreign influencers who are trying to game social media systems to amplify the reach of their disinformation narratives and their disinformation campaigns, What I think we're still struggling with has more to do with coordinated, authentic behavior. And this is also kind of how we're seeing misinformation change because it's not so much about having fake accounts or bots automate the spread of this harmful content, but it's more about real people who are pushing these narratives through their own personal social media account. But platforms don't have a good way of taking down content that come from authentic users.
0: There's an elephant in this gaslighting room, and it's it's in the shape of a bird, I think. And so Twitter's going through this crisis over some of the very issues we're talking about right now. Is that just going to be a, an issue for Twitter to resolve, or do you think it has broader implications for, for other social media platforms?
3: I think with what's going on right now at Twitter, for me as an academic who uses a lot of social media data to analyze disinformation networks and their effect on democracy more broadly, one of the biggest worries is that we're going to lose access to a lot of the data and tools that make studying this phenomenon possible. Because right now we don't have very good insight into the way that social media actually changes people's opinions and behaviors we're only just starting to catch up with digital technologies academic research can be slow <laughs> like a lot of you know lawmaking and policy it takes time to develop studies to test our hypothesis to make sure things are robust and um One of the big concerns with the Twitter takeover is that we're losing access to such a great resource for measuring um, and understanding some of the relationships between social media and democracy more broadly. And so, you know, going forward... I think this also has broader implications because we're seeing how platforms are changing um, and how people are moving to platforms that are much more closed, that are much harder to access, encrypted applications, smaller fringe alternative platforms like Gab, Parler, True Social, Telegram to an extent. I mean, it makes it much harder harder to understand how the different affordances of these platforms are changing not only how misinformation spreads, but the effect that it is having on everyday people and how they're eventually going to formulate their political opinions or how they're going to go out and vote or whether or not they're going to show up at an event like January 6th. It
0: sounds almost like you're saying that Having everyone in the same place accusing each other of gaslighting is better than having everyone in, you know, 50 different social media platforms (laughs) where no one feels like they're being gaslit.
3: (laughs) That is kind of what I'm saying.
0: That was Dr. Samantha Bradshaw, professor in new technology and security at American University in Washington, D.C. Early in the show, you heard from Merriam-Webster's editor-at-large, Peter Sokolowski. Peter's got a podcast, it's called Word of the Day. He's done like 6,000 episodes. Nothing but respect, Peter. This episode of Today Explained was produced by Halima Shah. We were edited by Matthew Collette, fact-checked by Laura Bullard, and mixed and mastered by Afim Shapiro. The rest of the team includes Abishai Artsy, Hadi Mawagdi, Amanda Llewellyn, Miles Bryan, Victoria Chamberlain, Siona Petros, Paul Robert Mounsey, and our supervising producer, Amina Alsadi. We had extra help this week from Jolie Myers. We use music by Breakmaster Cylinder and Noam Hassenfeld. I'm Sean Ramasveram. My co-host is... Today Explained is on radio stations across America in partnership with WNYC. We are part of the Vox Media Podcast Network.